So he's been in the back room building a software platform to create fun games that can be played using a pinpoint spotlight technology that allows you essentially on the putting green to create a, a virtual number of starting points and a virtual number of ending points. And you can create a lot of fun games with that. So we've been building an engine for all that so that these venues will be able to charge money and make a profit and keep more people out on the putting green having a good time during the day and during the night. I'm Colin Weston, and welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers and innovators who are boldly shaping the future of golf. And today, I have the privilege of speaking to Dave Schultz, who is the founder of Nextlinks. I'm really excited about this episode because what Dave represents is really the purpose of why we created the Mod Golf Podcast in the first place. This intersection of golf, innovation, entrepreneurship, and startup culture. And Dave, you're the real deal. You bring all this to the table. I had a chance to talk to you, uh, I guess, earlier this week. We had a great conversation and just your passion for entrepreneurism and what you're doing, it really excites me. So with that, Dave, can you please tell us a bit about yourself to start and an overview of Nextlinks? Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me on the show, Colin. Pleasure to be here. So a little bit about me. You know, I joined the Navy when I was 17. I grew up in Southern California. I grew up in a tennis family, pretty competitive. And I was part of the 1970s sort of Southern California lifestyle. And, and my parents split up when I was a teenager and was a little bit lost in high school and found the Navy as a place to go started doing electronics repair on A6 and F-18 aircraft. Uh, it was pretty fun. And got to tour around the world on an aircraft carrier for a while. And I and, uh, got realized I was pretty good at problem solving. I was responsible for repairing avionics systems that were deployed. And if they broke, the aircraft were down. And so you know, usually a crisis here and there. And I was a guy that could get involved and make something happen. And so that's sort of been a theme of my career. I went and got my electronic engineering degree from Cal Poly and graduated top of my class, summa cum laude. Went on to an engineering and operations career that started with a private company in, in Lake Tahoe area called Bentley, Nevada, that was really the expert in their field. So had a 20-year corporate career doing a lot of different things and was aware of everything going on in the golf entertainment industry and started getting excited about that and realized that pretty much, you know, what I see coming together with this MSOP event in the end of the month where Guy Laliberte and, and Guillaume Deland are putting together this event, I saw that sort of coming and I, and I realized that there's going to be missing pieces. And so I've spent the last two and a half years building a business that can enhance that experience as it moves indoors, like how to build the putting green and build a supply chain behind that, the technology that's going to activate that playing field and make it profitable when there's not tournaments going on. So I've just sort of self-appointed myself as a, as a little bit of a visionary for the industry and have the same vision that, that's very much aligned with what those guys are doing and built a business to fill those missing pieces. Wow, you just give me a lot to chew on there and digest here, but I'm going to drill down here one bit at a time. One thing I really love, your entrepreneurial story is very similar to mine in the sense that I spent a 20 plus year career in the architectural and design profession that kind of led myself to do the things that we're doing in the sport innovation realm. And it sounds like you had a 20 year career and that was with GE, was it not? With General Electric that you kind of cut your chops? There? Yeah, that's that's right. They, they purchased that private company I told you about because we were their prime vendor. So and then I ended up moving on with them and, and had some really cool roles in, in some of the different divisions, including uh, being on the Boeing Center. 87 program right at the end when uh, all the critical stuff was going on and getting involved in some of that problem solving. 
Now, I'm really curious to know that aha moment for you. You kind of touched on it earlier, seeing with MSOP, which for our listeners, if they haven't listened to the previous episode with that, that is the major series of putting, which you can go back and listen to. I'm going to put on my, my investor or my startup hat on here, Dave. Where did you see the pain point, that problem, or even more so, the gap in the in the market that needed to be solved or that opportunity was that other players in the golf innovation space were not addressing and not aligned with? So where did you see that opportunity, first of all? Yeah, so it was really, I hate to say it, but it really was all about top golf because I've been a golfer for my whole life and, and I've been a technologist. And it was a combination between top golf emerging and listening for 15 years to depressing stories about where golf is heading and not really seeing any cohesive effort to fix it. And so I started reading all the industry studies and I realized that the true solution was an indoor solution. And I looked around to see who was creating that and I didn't see anybody far enough along in that where I couldn't jump in and join the party, so to speak. And so I just started strategizing on how to become a part of this family that's going to build this beautiful indoor golf competitive scene. Right. Now, for our listeners, we need to jump in here so they can understand what the heck exactly are you talking about with regards to Nextlinks so that they understand that, of course, there's lots of simulator companies out there and some that are pushing forward on creating engaging experiences. And we do have Topgolf. Could you please tell us what your secret sauce is and how you're bridging all these other experiences to create something that's even, in your mind, more compelling and more lucrative? So I think they're two different things almost because I wanted to be able to be really open. I knew that I could be a factor in in this creation of this industry that I knew was going to happen. And so I was just always about trying to fill the missing pieces. And so to protect myself so I could be open, I thought about what would be the, the real secret sauce. And I filed a patent and thought of pretty much any way that you can move between a simulator experience and a short game experience and the way those would link together. And so I filed for that patent like two months after I had this idea in 2015. So it's still pending and they say maybe pending for another year or two, who knows. But by doing that, I felt the freedom then to just sort of operate in this space and figure out what was missing and start inventing how that's going to get delivered once the market demand starts to appear. So I've been really focused on what I'm good at, which is the supply chain and technology that are going to be the leaders in the experience that takes place within these venues. And for our listeners, we will, of course, have imagery and some videos for them to see that we'll post in the show notes. I'm going to put on my experience designer hat on now. That's one of the things we do in the sport innovation space. I know that's very key and critical to what you do. So can you please, Dave, describe to us, because you've built beyond a prototype, it is actually a working model here for customer validation and feedback in Santa Ana, California. I want you to talk about this. But can you please tell us when someone shows up to experience what you've already built with Nextlink, so the time they actually walk in the front door, can you take us through the entire journey? Uh, yeah, you bet. So so the whole point is to be able to show how a lot of different things can coexist, all the way from a world-class training facility to the most popular nightclub in town. That's how this all happens, is you build an environment that's true and right for golf learning, and you create an entertaining way of making money on it in the evenings with food and beverage and all the social stuff that goes with it, like a bowling alley. That's what we've been doing. That, that was the core of the whole idea. So for two and a half years, I've been figuring out the best ways to do that in terms of putting it all together. So the laboratory is just a place where people can come in and we can transform it into all these different things and show them actual examples of how that experience affects people, whether they're two-year-old or 70-year-old, or even better yet, a whole bunch of generations together. 
So Dave, as the CEO and the founder of Nextlinks, I'm curious to learn, it's got to be more than you. It always takes a team and takes a village here. So can you tell us a bit about the team that you've developed over the last couple of years to move forward from the early ideation stage to, because now you're past that, you're in the, I guess it's fair to say in, in startup terms, you are in the uh, the early growth stage of a company here. So can you tell us a bit about your team and that journey from going from great idea to actually getting this thing built to where it is now? Yeah. So you remember, so half of the fun I'm having with this thing is getting to build a business from scratch. And anybody that works or has worked for a corporation for any length of time can appreciate that because there's so much process and bureaucracy that goes into a company that's been around for hundreds of years or 50 years that doesn't exist at the beginning. So the hardest part was getting the freedom to go build a foundation that was strong enough and finding the investor support to do that. I, I was fortunate enough to find one investor that's carried me through the entire seed stage and allowed me to make a lot of decisions and a few mistakes and, and build a real deep network into this arena that I want to go participate in. So that, that's been good. So it sounds like you've had a seed investor that's so aligned with your vision and having the patience and kind of seeing the big picture. So in the investor space there, I'm sure you've you had hundreds of conversations to get to that point. I know you mentioned that was actually through a, a warm introduction with a good friend of yours. You've had that opportunity to take this to the next level with this nicely aligned investor. But yeah, one of the other things I wanted to hear from you is the team that's helping you build this out. So right away, I knew that I wanted to build a software platform that would sort of lead the ability to energize these putting greens that I also needed to figure out how to invent, to be honest with you. I put a two-week ad in Monster.com and basically said that, that I felt like I had the, the golden ticket for you know Willy Wonka for the right type of software developer. And, and I had really only one serious applicant, and he turned out to be a guy, Anthony Prechtel, who's my chief technology officer now who had just gotten his PhD from the London University and, and looking for his first full-time job. And for him, the opportunity to build the framework of a software platform from scratch was so appealing. And when I talked to him about his thesis, there was just such a clear alignment. I immediately offered him a job and I just basically said, go tell me what you need and I'll give it to you for the next couple of months. And, and then if it works out, I'll give you a full-time job. And so after 30 days, I gave him a full-time job and that was almost two years ago. So he's been in the back room building a, a software platform to create fun games that can be played using a pinpoint spotlight te technology that allows you essentially on the putting green to create a, a virtual number of starting points and a virtual number of ending points and you can create a lot of fun games with that. So we've been building an engine for all that so that these venues will be able to charge money and, and make a profit and, and keep more people out on the putting green having a good time during the day and during the night. So that was Anthony. And then as we progressed, we started to align finally with hotel casino space and started to realize that that was a great avenue for us to pursue because really casinos and hotels are, are looking for a new attraction or a new entertainment thing. And it's really more about driving foot traffic than anything else. So they're not as concerned about the lack of proof of profitability yet. And so I was able to get their attention pretty early in, in my development of the company and made a strategic decision to build this laboratory. And, and we ramped up our spend because of that. And I hired two more employees full time. One of them happens to be my son who recently graduated college with a kinesiology degree. And he's a, a really great athlete and a golf lover. And uh, he's our director of sales. And he's being trained by some people in the industry and mentored by by some people in the industry that have sort of engaged with us as we've been getting more and more attention. And then I also hired a, a chief financial officer who happens to be my son's baseball teammate from seventh grade that I played chess with way back then. And I said, if I ever start my own company, I'm going to hire this kid. And he was working in Boston for a financial company and really just moved out here on pure faith that he I believed in what I was doing. 
And so there's four of us now full time, but we've got a whole bunch of people gathering on the sidelines waiting for the capital to flow towards us so that we can do more with more and build even a stronger framework. And that's sort of the phase of the business we're in right now. So it's a really fun part of the journey. And it's a really critical next step to make sure we align with the right players, because what I've been saying since the beginning is if I partner with somebody, they have to be able to grow at the same speed and pace that I see this industry growing at. And so I mean, I've already got a team in the UK that I've been developing for two years that'll be the sales and marketing front end for a lot of the products that we're developing. We've just been getting all ready and we've got a bunch of people ready to hire, but the core four of us right now are are what's on the team. The core four, I like it. It sounds like you have a very diverse, passionate and agile and lean team there. And speaking of lean, this is something that we've had a conversation about and I've spoken about this on, uh, on previous shows. As people will know, listeners will know, I do talk about the lean startup methodology as far as getting a product out there very quickly and testing it and iterating it and then getting a feedback loop, which is in, in golf, especially in hardware and experience endeavors like we're talking about here is is not so minimal as far as your minimal viable product. So you can, can you tell me a bit about your approach with that just as far as keeping your call it a prototype or minimal viable product in Santa Ana, what you have open there. How's your approach on that to learn as much as you can there, Dave, as quickly as possible without making your investor grumpy by asking for even more money? That, so it was, it was the critical step because everything I'd done, so the, the model has been pretty consistent since the very beginning. I started with small little models and you know always trying to hold on to some core user requirements that I defined a long time ago. And the only thing I couldn't do was I couldn't prove beyond any doubt the profitability of the games that could be created in this space without actually applying them in a commercial venue. So that was the importance of this whole place. And and now I've got the ability to to say specifically, you can make this much money over this many square feet. And by the way, that's all your revenue, whoever you are, future customer. And we're just going to collect a licensing fee and make more cool games for you to draw in more and more people that have a great time. So it sounds like you're looking to create the awesome engine that will drive this, not necessarily the entire race car here. You're looking to license this. So you're not looking to create a kind of an indoor top golf alternative. You're looking to focus on your core competencies and the and kind of the awesomeness that you guys bring with the technology. Is that fair to say? Yeah, no, I think the business model to think of is like Intel for the microprocessor, right? They feed a lot of different right. computer companies. That's what we see ourselves becoming. And we recognize that gap early on. So I, from a technology development standpoint, we're several years in front of anybody else that's thinking about this space because we looked at the space farther down the road. And the reason we had to do that is because I was entering the space without any capital support. And you've got at least five or six billionaires that are all now putting money into the golf industry in one form or another, trying to take advantage of what they see coming. So I want to get back to one of your earlier comments about where you guys are now and where you're poised to go with your core four that's about to expand here when you're ready to hit the go button. So if you want to talk about scaling and that's every investor's desire, that's every entrepreneur's dream is to scale up a business. So it sounds like you certainly are poised with that. So how are you looking to fuel that as far as the financial end of that? Are you looking to generate revenue to actually self-sustain that? Or are you looking to do another capital raise in the, in the future? Well, we, we've already got a couple of things that have value. So the short game engine that we've created is basically a system of a spotlight and some app-driven features that you run on a kiosk or on your iPhone or on a smartwatch. And so we're already being approached by golf courses to activate their existing outdoor putting green into a nighttime entertainment experience, basically creating a hybrid between an entertainment scene and a new kind of golf game scene. 
So our technology enables that, and we're pretty excited about that space. So that's a, a pretty easy short-term path to revenue. And also the rights based on the patents we filed and, and the fact that we're becoming experts at the technology that's going to form this industry, the rights to partner with us and carve out a territory for yourself is not a discussion that can't be had at this point. So there's other ways to raise capital besides just investment. Absolutely. One thing that we touched on in our earlier conversation, which is very close to my heart, I get very excited about is the future of virtual reality, mixed reality and augmented reality. And you certainly have elements here that are some are scratching at the surface, some are already a little farther along with that. Can you kind of share some of your thoughts of where you already are in that AR, VR, MR space and where you guys are looking to go with that in the future? Yeah, no, I'm really excited about that space because really what we're creating and, and you know, probably like we just talked about, other people may create the vessel for this, but it's really a hybrid between the, the virtual world and the real world using simulators and the real game and beginning competitions. And so the next step is, I think, augmented reality where you wear these glasses and you can see through them, but they add to what you're seeing, things like the putting line and, and stuff like that. And I've already seen examples of that technology being developed. And so part of the business model for NextLinks is also to attract a lot of those cool inventions that they can't find a home otherwise, because there really isn't a core technology company that's guiding this industry forward yet. Now, I just want to get back to the experience, just to, just to be very clear for our listeners here. So you really have in this thousand square foot facility that you built in Santa Ana, I come into play and from what I understand it would take about two hours to actually play a round of golf that could be Pebble Beach or whatever course you actually have loaded in there that I can choose from. So it's a combination of me actually playing simulator play and then having that transposed over to actual putting and chipping areas where I'm actually physically doing that. Is that a, a fair analysis to say how the hybrid and the connection is made here between both aspects of golf? Yeah, where we're really focused. So we've got all those elements here. And like I said, at the night, um, you know, people are more concerned right now about being able to show the entertainment value of this. And at night, when you're trying to create a, a denser group of people, you're probably not going to be playing that complete game with simulators and short game. You're going to have a real active putting green and you're going to have real active simulators doing different things. So the simulators will be playing a game sort of like Top Golf that a lot of these simulator companies are already making. And then the, the short game will be activated by our pinpoint spotlight technology and some interactive apps that allow the vendor to, to have a lot of people having a good time out on this big, amazing putting green. So that's what we're simulating when we bring groups of people in here. When we bring serious golfers in here, we've created a complete game using our spotlight technology and our, and our apps that can be played on the chipping and putting field. And the competition there is is absolutely reflective of the same skill differential in real golf because a, a big part of this equation has been how do you replicate real outdoor golf and real outdoor contours and terrain in a way that, that they play the same in the indoor environment. And we put a whole bunch of energy into how to carve out foam and use CNC mills and cut it and ship it and then put the top surfaces on so that it plays the way it should. And so our greens play as true and pure as, as a beautiful country club would do. And that hybrid between playing a game and playing real golf is what people feel when they come in here. And then also the environment that we put around the whole thing is, is a very soothing and comforting environment because a big part of golf is about a beauty or a majesty that exists. And my vision for bringing it in indoors was it needed to have a flavor of that, but blended with modern technology. And so the, the whole thing sort of immerses you. And I've seen it over and over now that people walk in here, they're immediately relaxed, and then they just kind of get blown away by how much we've done in a short period of time. 
Right. And, and two and a half years is a very short period of time of what you've done. So congratulations on that front. But in that two and a half years, I know myself as an entrepreneur, I know on TV, when we see entrepreneurs uh, portrayed, everybody thinks it's a very romantic thing. And everybody's just getting their $10 million exit at the end of this and going living on an island somewhere. But uh, we both know very well, that's not <laughs> necessarily the case, Dave. So with that, I'm sure you've had your ups and downs and, and trials and tribulations like every tenacious and passionate entrepreneur does. So to that, what would you consider your biggest or one or two challenges? to this point or things you didn't expect or you didn't foresee that you've managed to overcome from where you were starting and where you are now? Well, gosh. So, you know, I eight hours after I had this idea, I realized just how immense the idea was if it was developed properly. I was an engineer and a backroom guy, and I immediately realized I was going to have to be the face of this business. And I joined clubs with high net worth people that I couldn't afford to be at because I was intimidated at that point by different levels of people and, and social groups. And I knew I had to break down those kinds of barriers. So I, I really forced myself to get comfortable in the space and, and in the level of leadership that I knew I was going to have to play at some point down the road. And so it's been challenging in those small periods of time where I think, oh, I might run out of money or something might happen that derails what I'm doing because I feel like from a product development standpoint, from a steps taken, this was meant for me and that's how I felt. And so I, I've been playing it that way since day one. And, you know, right now it, it feels pretty good, Colin. I mean, it, I wouldn't trade a thing. I, like they say with all stories, you start seeking things. And, and I started reading. And the first place I started reading, funniest place, is I read about somebody that was successful. And they said that they'd read this book by Napoleon Hill called Think and Grow Rich, which I was 50 years old and I'd never heard of. And he said that he's never met anybody truly successful that hasn't read that book and hasn't gotten something from it. So I stopped everything I was doing, ran to the bookstore and, and got that book. And the first half of it was pretty much like reading what had gone on in my life for the last six months. And so it really gave me a core to navigate from that, that I've been using in my process ever since then. So it, when you realize that there's a process for everything and start to figure out how that process works and then just follow those rules, then that's how things happen. And that's where we're at now. That's where I'm at. I love it. That's a great answer. And I have my copy of Think and Grow Rich on my bedside table that's been sitting there half read. I guess maybe that's why I'm only as half as successful as I want to be. I got, okay, I'm got, tonight I'm going to start reading it again. Then I'll, that, that'll be the difference, right? Well, no, it's actually very funny, Colin, because when I was reading that, I was like, oh God, I could never do this. And because it's all about finding an idea that's so core to you that gives you this sense of purpose. And it's a really difficult thing to find. But uh, once you found it, the rest of the recipe sort of takes care of itself. And so at one point in the book, it says, by the way, if you already have your idea, you don't have to do the chapter six homework, I think it said. And I said, oh, thank God, because I knew I was going to fail. Well, it's interesting, the things you touch on here, just as far as doing things that are meaningful. You know, it's why you do it, not what you do. I don't know if you're familiar with a, a guy named Simon Sinek, who actually has done a few TED Talks, and he became very famous over the one that he did called The Power of Why, which is just that. It's not what we do, but why we do it. And uh, I can certainly hear that resonating in your voice and your purpose there. And I, I was actually just up speaking at a leadership conference a couple of days ago, and that was one of the reoccurring themes that came out as far as being authentic, and I can certainly feel that in you by just getting to know you here now, Dave. But but yes, yeah, stick to your passion because things will always will go sideways. And if you're if your motivation for doing something is is only the money, you're going to give up. I love your passion and your courage and your tenacity. And I've got a very strong feeling you're going to take this to the next level of where you want it to go. Yeah, no, thanks, Colin. It's just it's been so much fun. And I, I got to tell one more quick story. 
the summer after I had this idea, so I had this idea on St. Patrick's Day in 2015, and that summer I had decided that we were going to volunteer for the Los Angeles World Games for the Special Olympics that were in town for the whole week. I ended up being a golf caddy for the top Irish player, and we ended up bonding with the whole Irish national team during that week. It was that event where I realized the deeper meaning of this whole process I was getting ready to try and undertake, and it just motivated me to just go faster. You know, my real intent here is just to become a factor in helping the the golf industry grow. And and the way to do it is through these fun, entertaining ways of learning real golf, because the real problem is just access. That's what Topgolf proved, that there's an audience for golf. You just need to give it to them in a different way. Absolutely. So you you bonded with the entire Irish team. That sounds like a a hangover waiting to happen there. Hopefully you managed to escape unscathed from that. Oh my gosh. So Oliver Doherty was the player and he ended up winning the silver medal and it was like 110 degrees there the whole week. And he choked on the 17th hole and fell out of silver medal position. And on 18, he got an eagle and it was his first birdie of the day or eagle. And it was a pretty special moment. I got interviewed with him on Irish TV and it just made me realize that shining a light on these special Olympic competitions is something one of these indoor places can do. That's one of those unintended benefits. It sounds like you've learned and you touched on this early on in the conversation of the power and the importance of partnerships here that you've already developed and you're cultivated and the ones that you're looking at strategically in the future. You touched on casinos and other potential partners where you can actually deliver in their venues the technology and the experience that you are building here rather than trying to do it alone and just that a standalone situation here. It sounds like you're, uh, you're learning a lot of lessons and spending that time building the foundation, growing the roots there so you can scale this thing up, which is something I I look forward to hearing over the upcoming months and over the next year. Everybody will be hearing about Next Links very soon. So with that, before I leave you here, Dave, could you please tell our audience where they can find out some information online regarding yourself and also with Next Links? Yeah, so we've got a pretty fully developed website now, www.nextlinks.com. And, and we also have our old website, which was www.realitygolf.com. So Reality Golf was that competitive model, Colin, by the way, to, to Top Golf. And I realized that that was a failing way to try and grow this business and figured out how to play my role with, with the stuff that was missing instead of trying to do stuff that bigger people were going to beat me up over. My goal has just been not to overlap with what needs to be done and to begin filling the missing pieces for these billionaires that already saw it coming anyway. So before I leave you here, I want to get your thoughts on a few more things here, Dave, with regards to, I don't know if you're the one that coined this phrase. I did see this in your bio here with an acronym of AGE for Alternative Golf Experiences. Kind of the first time I've heard that, even though I should know that one, considering what we do on the show here. So in closing, one thing I'd like to ask some of my guests, and I'm really curious to get your feedback on this, is where do you see golf in five years, 10 years, 20 years? Could be some small little tweaks, some big, hairy, audacious idea. I'd like to have you pull out your crystal ball here and, uh, and share some some of your thoughts. Yeah, so golf in its true form, in its purest form, is unbeatable. And so what's going on in the industry right now, it's going to share that at an entry-level experience to orders of magnitudes more of people. So it's ultimately the purest part of golf, the traditional golf, is always going to be healthy and it's going to be more healthy because of this next generation of interest that all of these alternative golf experiences are going to create. And I think it's all about just blending entertainment and technology and, and real golf together in ways 
ways that get more people interested in migrating towards the golf course. So I think maybe there'll be fewer municipal, not necessarily municipal golf courses, but fewer entry-level golf courses, because I think that population is going to have more fun at these alternative golf experiences. And so I think there'll be a little bit of a disruption there, but I think it'll benefit the golf industry in that these majestic courses are just going to get a bigger and bigger audience and, and more aspiration from people to get there. And I sort of see golf in that vein of you're always aspiring to be lucky enough to play one of the most amazing golf courses in the world. And I think that's what you cultivate from the very beginning in new and different ways. And, and I think it's going to have really powerful and positive ramifications on the golf industry. Oh, that's a great answer. Well, I got, I got to leave our conversation with that, Dave. So Dave Schultz, CEO and founder of Next Links. Thank you so much, Dave, for taking the time to speak to me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. I, I have a feeling that you and I are going to meet uh, sometime in person very soon. So best of luck as you move forward with Next Links and look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Thank you again, Colin. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Next Links founder and CEO, Dave Schultz. Dave has the passion, curiosity, vision, and tenacity that is essential to entrepreneurial success. But I believe he possesses another critical startup ingredient. Empathy and Dave's ability to listen to feedback has revealed his most lucrative business opportunity. Rather than create an entire entertainment experience and compete against the big players like Topgolf, Dave has discovered his secret sauce is in the technology they are building with Nextlinks. Build the best engine and put it in some other person's race car. I look forward to speaking with Dave again soon to see if they've crossed that chasm to scale up his innovative company. To learn more, go to our website, modgolf.fireside.fm, where you'll find links to the topics and content we covered in this episode. I'm your host, Colin Weston. You can reach us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at modgolfpodcast. Please join me next week when I'll have more stories from the innovators and influencers creating the future of golf. Bye for now.